0: am I nourishing myself at this moment or am I doing this because I'm trying to fill a void? And I think that that's really important to keep in the top of mind is not what am I eating, but being mindful of why you're consuming what you're consuming. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy
1: Klein. Welcome to Rock Your Retirement. I am so excited today because I have Melissa Ramos on the line with me, and she has this website called Sexy Food Therapy. We're going to talk about some things that might make you a little squeamish. So, if you have little ones in the car, or if you're squeamish, you might want to skip this episode or just read the show notes first. So Melissa, I went on your website and I took your little quiz and thank you so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So tell me, what made you start sexyfoodtherapy.com?
0: So I began sexy food therapy because I actually got sick and it wasn't exactly something that I had necessarily planned. I was an advertising executive at the time and began to see a nutritionist and from then I began to realize I had all these digestive issues and ended up finding out a lot in terms of my health that I felt that I was very disconnected to. And I went and I studied nutrition. And then from there, I studied Chinese medicine right afterwards. And the reason why is because I ended up seeing a Chinese medical practitioner. And together, I just thought both were such a powerful combination. And sexy food therapy really just began as a blog that I just wrote truthfully, just for fun. And at at that point, it was about how I emotionally ate the right way. I was documenting a lot of dating stories at the time, but as the business grew, because to my surprise, a bunch of people started reading it, it grew. And then the business focus obviously changed. A lot of it changed based on my own personal struggle with digestion, even struggle with, hormonal issues, which I definitely have had because I've had a near-death experience. And since then, it's just evolved into something pretty fantastic.
1: Okay. I'm not going to let that slide. What near-death experience? Tell us about that.
0: So the near-death experience I had is I had an ovarian cyst that ruptured and it tore off a piece of my right ovary and I began to hemorrhage internally. And when I did, I was rushed to the hospital and they didn't know what it was. And I didn't even know what it was. I thought maybe I was having appendicitis because I was really bloated. And they did a CAT scan and came back and said to me, listen, we can't even see your kidneys. All we see is blood right up into your lung cavity. We have to perform an emergency surgery. So we're going to have four of the best surgeons operating on you. And about roughly two hours later, they took out, at least what I was told, is I took out close to. Three liters of blood uh, was stapled up 24 staples later, a six inch vertical incision really was just months of recovery from being in the hospital and being on epidurals and blood transfusions. And I was more hooked up than a cardiac patient pretty much. So that's really what ended up propelling the focus of my business more into hormones because a lot of people hear sexy food therapy and I don't want people to get squeamish when they're listening to this episode because there's no reason for them to get squeamish because the first thing I think some people think of is, Ooh, this is aphrodisiac foods when it's not, it's not even about sex. If you ask most women what sexy means to them, they would say, well, it's how you walk into a room. It's a state of mind. It's a state of empowerment. It's never something necessarily physical per se. It can be for some women, but not always. So sexy food therapy is really about helping women feel sexy from the inside out by balancing their hormones primarily. And then secondary for me is digestion.
1: Well, the reason why I said that at the beginning of the show is because let's be frank, we talk about poop, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know?
0: mm-hmm. And not everybody can talk about that. So tell me about that. I do my best in my business to use a dose of humor with a lot of things that I talk about. And poop certainly is no exception. And I think it's because that it helps to break through a lot of social taboos and it's supposed to promote people to speak about it openly. And we get nervous about talking about poop openly. People will go to an entirely different floor at an office building. So to poop just so that maybe their colleagues won't recognize them by their shoes, you know, under the stall because God forbid we poop and (laughs) you know, everything from bloating and loose poops and constipation and what does it look like and how many wipes and all those things. But they're really important because you can tell a lot by the state of your poop and how it looks like. So you should be looking at it. I did a TEDx talk and I came out wearing a shirt that said the poop whisperer. And ever since then, when that video circulated, people would say to me like, oh yeah, you're the poop whisperer. So it's kind of a name that sort of stuck there afterwards. (laughs) Well, I have to be honest. I
1: haven't seen that TED talk, but now I'm so curious. I'm going to have to see it.
0: (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So how did you wind up doing a TED talk? They contacted me. Honestly, it was not something that I reached out for. They contacted me and said, would you be interested in doing, which is very odd for that organization because normally you apply and they said, you know, would you be interested in doing a talk? What would you want to speak about? I said, well, poop. Because at that point, truthfully, I wasn't really focusing very much on hormones. I mean, I was for a bit, but it was definitely more based on digestion, my business at the time. I still talk about digestion because it's at the core of your health. But yeah, they reached out to me and I said, okay, let's talk about poo. And it was great. The talks prior to mine were a little bit more heavier and more serious. So when I came out, I was the last person to speak and it definitely sort of lightened things up just a bit. (laughs) So what do we need to know about our poop? first and foremost, the frequency. Some people think that going twice a week is completely normal. Believe it or not, they're told by some medical doctors, some medical doctors will say it's completely normal. It's not normal. You should be going to the bathroom at least once a day, if not a couple of times a day. Number one, first and foremost. The second thing I would look at would be what is the shape of it? I always say it should look like a dog's tail where it really doesn't have any massive bumps to it. If you're having poop that has lots of like bumps to this long log of a a poop, you might think, oh, it's good because I had a big log of a poop. But the problem is, is that if there's dehydration, that stool is going to end up taking form of your intestine, which is usually why you'll end up seeing it very bumpy. The other thing is, is you don't want to have pellet poop, which I think everybody has had at some point in their life that could signify dehydration, lack of good fats in the diet, even some liver congestion, that's always very possible, or even magnesium deficiency. So those are certainly things that you could look at for pellet poop. You know, we talk about loose poop a lot in my practice where that usually is, it could be from stress the mind and the gut are so interrelated. It could be from food intolerance as well. There's so many reasons why that that could be happening. And you also want to look at the, the color. It should be brown. It shouldn't be gray or yellow or black. It should be brown. And the thing that people never ask in practice, which they should as practitioners, is how many wipes. You should be wiping between one and three wipes, not three or more. If you're wiping three or more, that is based on the fact that there's probably a lot of mucus in the colon. And that isn't necessarily a good thing. And that's usually caused from things like eating lots of excess carbohydrates, especially gluten, sugar, dairy, lots of alcohol will do that to you as well. Those are all things that can cause a lot of damp buildup is what we call it in Chinese medicine, dampness, which is sort of synonymous to like mucus, candida, et cetera. So all of this food,
1: the what you eat basically affects your hormones. Is that what you're saying?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think whatever you eat affects your entire system, truthfully. We aren't just what we eat. We're what we eat and what we assimilate. And the problem is, is that as we get older, your digestive capability does decline. And what you actually consume is going to affect your hormones. And wherever you are in your hormonal life cycle, that could definitely affect it. We see a huge percentage of women getting fibroids. Last time I checked, the percentage was close to about 70% that a woman will get fibroids by the time that they're 50, which is pretty phenomenal. And that obviously has some hormonal ties to it for sure. But if you are not eliminating properly every single day and having a bowel movement, then all those toxins and all those estrogens, where do they go? They're in your colon in that fecal matter and your colon, your large intestine has all these blood vessels that are attached to it. So they end up recirculating a lot of that and it just goes right back into the system. So proper bowel elimination is incredibly important that I don't think a lot of people realize.
1: What can they do if they're only going two times a week and the doctor says that's fine, Mm -hmm. then what do you do to make the changes so that you're going every day. So I want to tell you a story about when I was younger, I was a mentor to a young teenager. And maybe a year after a mentorship ended officially, she came to me and she said, Kathy, I have to tell you my poop has changed. And I don't know what has happened. I said, well, I'm not I can't say her name, but I said, well, well, what's different? And she says, well, I'm I'm going like twice a day now. And I said You're like, that's great. Well, I didn't know what to say. And I said, well, what has changed? What are you doing differently? Have you changed something you're eating now that you weren't eating before? And she couldn't put her finger on it. And I told her to go ahead and write down what she was eating and drinking. I don't think she ever figured it out. But in the back of my mind, I thought, well, it's probably a good thing that you're going more often than than less. So how would people change their bodies so that they can go more often and that in itself would improve their hormones?
0: Number one, hydration. If you're dehydrated, you're not going to be able to go to the bathroom on a regular basis. And a lot of people are dehydrated. I mean, even things as simple as blood pressure. Your blood pressure will be elevated when you're dehydrated. So when I first hear people who are like, oh, I have high blood pressure, I'm like, how much water do you drink? And quite often, more often than not, they're not drinking enough water. And you should be drinking about two liters of water a day, and it shouldn't be cold water. Cold water really is a doozy on your digestive system because it actually decreases the amount of hydrochloric acid, which is that stomach acid that's supposed to break down food earlier in the digestive process. So water is incredibly important, but room temperature water, having enough healthy fats. We were brainwashed by a lot of marketing that came out Probably in the late seventies or so, eighties, when we start to see this massive Stop trend of insanity. About, yes. Even that whole thing of whole wheat is so great for you, like and fat is even saturated fat is bad for you and it promotes high cholesterol, et cetera. Those studies were doctored, and that has been proven to this day, and that happened from Dr. Ansel Keys. and you can look this up, but they were completely falsified studies. And this it was one of the biggest atrocities in the nutrition arena and our society, because you'll see a correlation with obesity rates just dramatically skyrocket around that same time. When people are eating excess carbohydrates and not enough fat because they think fat's the enemy. This is the really big problem. We should be getting more of our fiber in our type of carbohydrates from vegetables, not from breads and pastas and rice and so forth, I would ask people to really stay away from those foods or at least greatly reduce them and just stay on a gluten-free primarily diet. Those are two of the big ones is fat and hydration for sure. And the other part I would actually look at is emotional. So I have seen this more time I have actually never seen a case of constipation, especially chronic constipation, where emotions were not involved. And According to Chinese medicine, if you have the inability to let go, you will have a problem with constipation. And I saw that even myself in my early twenties, I was engaged and I'm married now to a wonderful man. But in my early twenties, I was engaged to somebody who I still call the best fiance a woman could have, an ex-fiance a woman could have because he was lovely. But I was in a relationship with somebody that was my best friend and that we were friends for so long. There just wasn't any love there. Before I had left him, I was eating while well, I was exercising, but I couldn't poop. And I honestly would poop like probably about twice a week. And I had horrible skin as a result of it. When I left that relationship and moved back to the city, sold my house and made a huge life change. I actually was going to the bathroom and no word of a lie, making up for lost time. Like I was <laughs> going to the bathroom and I'm like, okay, so there's a correlation here. And I've seen this happen with women and then over and over and over again. But quite often, we're resistant to it.
1: You know, when I go on vacation, I find that to be the case. Yeah. And then when I come back, I go over and over. Why would that be? Is it because of the different food that I'm eating or the water?
0: There's a lot of stuff going on there. It's definitely just a change in your body for the most part. Like you're in a new place, new food, new climate, so many different factors that the body just takes a moment to adjust and it can be very difficult. So I always suggest people to bring a laxative Senna or Cascara Sagrada, which I would never even suggest generally in practice because they are habit forming. But for something like that, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And the problem is, is a lot of people go to hot countries and they're not drinking enough water. They might drink a liter or liter and a half at home. You go to a hot country, you're sweating more and you need more water and you don't just need more water, but you need water and electrolytes. Because the minerals and those electrolytes are going to also help with bowel regularity. And we're just not drinking enough because we're sweating out so much. So you need to replenish. And then I just start seeing people constipated all the time.
1: <laughs> well, are you saying that people should drink Gatorade? Isn't that
0: water and electrolytes? Gatorade is not something I would recommend because there's a lot of ingredients in there that are quite questionable. I probably would suggest something like coconut water. If you don't like coconut water... A lot of health food stores carry electrolyte drops and tabs that are going to be a much better option uh, that you can add into your water than taking rig.
1: I'm talking with Melissa Ramos about poop. <laughs> and we're going to come right back after this short break to talk about what I found on her website, Sexy Food Therapy.
2: Are your plastic containers multiplying behind closed doors? Hi, my name is Lisa Woodruff, and I am a professional organizer and productivity expert. Okay, what's going on behind those closed doors with all of those plastic containers? I want you to get them all out and put them on your kitchen counter or your kitchen table, all of them, every single one, and then match the tops and the bottoms. If you don't have a top, get rid of the bottom, and if you have a top with no bottom, get rid of the top. Then when you look at what you have left, I want you to think about, really, how many plastic containers do you need? How often do you use reusable plastic containers? Get down to a very small amount that you keep in your cabinet, because as you and I know, they're going to multiply in there anyway. Anything you don't need, go ahead and donate, and then find out how little you can live on. Check out the Organize 365 podcast for more on how to get organized as you rock your retirement. Hi, this is Mary Fran Bontempo, speaker and author of The Woman's Book of Dirty Words, and you are listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show.
1: Welcome back to Rock Your Retirement. I'm talking with Melissa Ramos about poop and about hormones, and now we're going to talk about my own personal questionnaire that I completed on her website, sexyfoodtherapy.com. Melissa, welcome back.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Well, thanks for putting this little questionnaire on your website. Before the interview, when I was doing my research, I went ahead and took your questionnaire. It was short and succinct and it shocked me a little bit. I'm like, oh my goodness, look at the things they're asking me. (laughs) But I went ahead and completed it. And I noticed that I do suffer sometimes from bloating and you gave me some recommendations about that. And I also gain my weight in my hips, thighs, and bum. And some of the recommendations looks like they're Things that I've been told before that I need to remove wheat, dairy, and sugar. And I'm trying very hard to do that. I do have a question about dairy though. I have noticed I, I went on one of these elimination diets and found that I'm sensitive to so many foods, including my three favorite foods, which are wine, chocolate, and dairy. Those are my favorite things. And of course, I'm sensitive to them, probably because I've overeaten them all my life. But I'm able to eat non-cow dairy, like I'm able to eat sheep cheese and goat cheese, the hard kind. And I'm wondering, I know that's technically dairy, but do you have any idea why I would be able to eat that more than
0: I could eat cow milk. Yeah. And the reason why is because sheep and goat have a smaller molecular size, so they're easier to digest. And that's the reason why that some people find themselves being able to digest that over cow dairy.
1: Okay. So the digestion, and I'm going to just be real personal here. I don't have a problem with gas or anything like that with milk. It makes me cough. I get mucus in my throat Mm -hmm. Same with perfume. If somebody's around me and they have perfume, I'm allergic to that. I didn't used to be. These are all new things that developed over my lifetime. Why is it the most people who say they're sensitive to milk, it's in a different direction and I get all mucusy?
0: Well, I think that it depends. Like, I think it depends on the individual. It's going to manifest differently in everybody, but things like dairy are very much mucus forming. So quite often I see that in a lot of people who drink milk and are not even intolerant or allergic to it, but it can manifest differently for some people. Some people can get sinus congestion because the digestive meridians do run through the face. You can see some people who after consuming it might have instant gut pain or have to run to the bathroom because they're having a loose bowel movement. So yeah, it really just depends on the individual. It just, we're all different. So how it's going to manifest is going to be very different.
1: And that's what I like about your questionnaire. You do customize it to people. Now, because of the two symptoms that I have, it looks like it might be a little bit conflicting because in one it said raw foods might be too hard to break down. And then in the other, when I'm talking about my hips, thighs, and bum, it's telling me to get fiber-rich veggies. So how do I deal with that? Do I alternate each day? Because I I tend to start the day with a green smoothie shake that I create. I don't buy it. I create it and it is a lot of raw food <laughs> in that shake. And I use almond milk and then a pea protein because of course I can't do whey protein because of my sensitivity to um, to dairy. What should I do
0: based on that? You can still get fiber-rich vegetables and not eat them raw. You just have to cook them. If you're fine with having smoothies, then that's awesome. A lot of people who have a weak digestive system can struggle a little bit with having any sort of raw foods. Even smoothies can be really hard on a lot of people's guts. But again, totally depends on the person. Like some people can do smoothies, other people will get a lot of cramping from it. So it just depends.
1: Yeah. My husband used to, he used to get gas pretty badly when we first started doing the smoothies and he still does now, but it's not as bad as it was. So what you're saying is in his case, we might want to cook the veggies instead of eating them raw.
0: Yes most definitely.
1: Okay. So what's the difference? Do you still get the same nutritional value when you're eating cooked foods? I'm not an expert.
0: Well, a lot of people will say that, oh, you're killing a lot of the enzymes and so forth by cooking the vegetables. But at the end of the day, if you're not digesting them because you don't have enough stomach acid, all those enzymes really don't matter. You're still going to be getting a lot of the phytonutrients that are within it that I think are going to be really important to gain from it. And there's some vegetables, like say, for example, like, well, tomatoes technically a fruit, but the beta carotene in tomatoes, for example, are actually more abundant as a result of actually cooking it. So for me personally, I think that if you can end up handling a little bit of raw, that's fine, but just do it on a small scale. If you've got digestive issues, if you can handle it wonderful, but I would only leave it more from a seasonal perspective, like in, The hotter months, raw foods tend to kind of sit in our bodies a little bit better because it's so hot outside. But for some people, they still struggle. So you're really going to have to look at this and see if this is right for you.
1: Okay, that makes sense. And you said earlier that as you get older, it becomes more and more difficult to digest your food.
0: Why is that? Because your stomach acid levels decline. Pretty much sums it up. It's like if your stomach acid levels decline, when you consume food, it first goes into your tummy. And if it's going in your stomach and you don't have enough HCL, which is your stomach acid, it's very difficult to break it down. And you're already impeding the digestive process from early on.
1: So I'm going to ask you two questions. Number one, is there anything you can do to increase your stomach acid? And number two, if I increase my stomach acid, won't I get heartburn?
0: No. So heartburn is actually a result of not having enough stomach acid. So your body ends up overproducing it. So it's very much a misnomer when people say, oh, well, you know, I've got too much stomach acid. No, you don't. You ha- you don't have enough of it. So your body overproduces it. Things like even proton pump inhibitors that people take for acid reflux can also create more digestive harm in the long run because it really disrupts your digestive flora, which is all your good bacteria in your digestive system. If you want to increase the amount of stomach acid you have, you can take an enzyme formulation that you can get at your health food store and just make sure that in the bottle in that formulation, it also contains something called HCL as in Larry. And when it has HCL, that simply just refers to hydrochloric acid. And that you can take about five, maybe 10 minutes before you eat. And that's going to help to increase that digestive fire, that stomach acid, so that you can break down food just a little bit early on in the digestive process so that you're not impeding it. Okay. And what did you call that again, that you would buy at the health food store? Something with HCL, what was it? They're digestive enzymes. And you'll see enzymes, it's in a bottle, they're capsules, and you go to your health food store and that's essentially what you would purchase. Are enzymes. And you just want to make sure that in that formula, it contains HCL.
1: Okay. So enzymes with HCL. That's great. So you have been giving us tons and tons of things to think about. Is there anything that my listener should keep in the top of her mind when thinking about what she is eating? Well, when you
0: think about what you are eating, you have to think of why am I eating this first and foremost? Are you eating something because you're stressed? And I think that it kind of boils down to why, because if we're really stressed or not feeling all that great, quite often, we're not exactly craving a salad. We're going to be like cookies, ice cream, chocolate, chips, whatever your vices. is, wine could be as well, pastas, all that sort of jazz. And you have to think about, am I nourishing myself at this moment or am I doing this because I'm trying to fulfill a void? And I think that that's really important to keep in the top of mind is not what am I eating, but being mindful of why you're consuming what you're consuming. Would you say that
1: I should never have a piece of chocolate in a glass of wine or?
0: No, not at all. I think that chocolate, there's a lot of benefits to chocolate. There's, I always have chocolate bars at home and I have them that are more than 72% chocolate because chocolate has a ton of benefits to it. Wine, even in moderation, is great, but you shouldn't be exceeding more than four glasses a week. But the problem is we're seeing more studies coming out of women specifically who are binge drinking. So they won't drink for a period of time and then they go out and they binge drink and it's unhealthy. So to try to think of why am I consuming this? How am I consuming it? Because it's not saying don't ever have chocolate. Don't ever have ice cream. It's just a matter of if you do have it. Someone once told me, don't drink when you're upset drink when you're happy because you're associating a feeling, attaching a feeling to something that is using something as a crutch. It's using something to escape. And it's usually why we turn to these foods and drinks when we do is not out of happiness. It's out of feeling upset.
1: When I'm crying and upset, don't go and get a half gallon of ice cream and eat it with the the pasta spoon. (laughs)
0: what you're saying.
1: Pretty much. <laughs> you know what you always see on the television show of people doing that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely.
1: Okay, great. Well, that little test that I took, I'm definitely going to be taking into consideration changing my diet, although some of that has already changed. I'll look at bringing in some cooked vegetables instead of eating them mostly raw, which is what I do now. If my listener wants to take that quiz, where would she go?
0: Well, right now the site is changing up. So we still are going to have a quiz. The quiz has just changed up so that it's more hormonally based. So when you look into the quiz on the site, which is sexyfoodtherapy.com, when you go, you'll probably be asked two questions and we'll be sending you information that's based on your main struggle, which is still going to be jam-packed and has tons of info for it that uh, your listeners I think will really love. Okay, great.
1: So they can get it at sexyfoodtherapy.com. Is that correct? That's correct.
0: Perfect. And is there any other way to contact you? That is probably the best way. If you go to sexyfoodtherapy.com, you will see a contact place and you can just email there if you have any questions. You can check me out on Facebook. Just search Melissa Ramos and you will see that little verified blue symbol, the check mark in it. I'm also on Instagram sexy food therapy on Instagram so check me out and I'd love to be able to hear from your listeners.
1: Right, thanks so much. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rock Your Retirement. Join the conversation by heading over to the show notes at rockyourretirement.com and leaving a comment. And please tell your friends and family about these episodes. You can help change someone's life. See you next time on Rock Your Retirement.
0: Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Here's one
1: by Frixie Gros She writes, business owner, five stars. And then she writes, Kathy is a great host and brings a fabulous variety of guests and topics to her ever-expanding audience. It's a great listen to any and all of the podcasts. Thanks, Fritzy. I really appreciate that. Wasn't that fun? I'd love for you to leave a review too. And if you don't know how, just go to rockyourretirement.com slash review, and that'll take you to a free video tutorial that shows you how. Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy episodes one through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually, August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show, the monthly episodes, starting with 237, follow a real retiree from her pre announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two. Subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show, and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to lead podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review, whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is, or just with stars five stars is typically the best. And of course we're shooting for those five star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money, and of course, by now you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your
2: Retirement. Bye.